Hi everyone, welcome to the Planet Podcast and the Green Living Podcast, where today we are going to talk about songs about nature and environment. And why did we pick this theme? Because recently Vanessa and I were talking together and we uh, realized how much our thinking about nature and environment has been influenced when we were much younger than we are today. Um, because we were listening so much to pop songs. That is the generation that we grew up with. And the political opinions that you developed, your, your political view of the world, including on environment and nature, was very much influenced by the pop music that you listened to. And that is something that uh, we were also brainstorming a bit about. Is that still the case? Because the younger generation now gets so much other um, uh, other information uh, that they that 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 gets to them through all kinds of different media channels. But uh, when we grew up, at least I am in my mid fifties, so when I grew up, I should say, um, don't want to talk about anybody other's uh, age here. Uh, but when I grew up. Uh, the radio was really an important thing. And I, I really know that there are songs that influenced the way that I looked at the world. Take, for instance, uh, a song like uh, Bob Dylan's The Time They Are Changing, uh, this, this, this kind of um, realization that there is something going on, that the world is really changing. I was... When I was listening to it, that was in, let's say, the late 70s. My, I, was, I was knowing enough about English to, to, to un understand what the song was about. So by then, it was already an old song. The times had already changed, because the real big change is, of course, let's say, between 1962 and 1970. I think in those eight years, the world dramatically changed. Uh, from the typical 1950s to a much more modern age in which uh, we are we are still living, and some of these songs were about uh, environment. So um, I see Marianne typing help and um, yeah help of the Beatles <laughs> and not just anybody and um, yeah true. Um, so a lot of a lot of these songs uh, are out there. So just to to start off, I mean, we were brainstorming a bit on, on on where to start. And since I just mentioned seconds ago Bob Dylan, and since yesterday I spent most of my day in the village, in Greenwich Village, in, uh, in Manhattan, where I am right now. And that is, of course, for anybody that has followed a little bit about uh, Dylan, that is where it all started. And um, that is where, in, in the early 1960s, uh, Bob Dylan became the influential force in, um, in, in, in music, in folk music in those days still. Later it became the more folk rock. Um, uh, but uh, he was the influential force that actually added content to music. Before that, uh, it was uh, Obla Di, Obla Da, Obla Lola, and whatever the Beatles were singing about, which were absolutely empty songs without any meaning or content. And then suddenly there was Dylan, who was uh, the poet who who brought in content. And uh, one of his his early songs is uh, it, "It's a hard rain is gonna fall," 
which was on the second album, the, the freewheeling Bob Dylan. And for anybody knowing anything about Dylan will, of course, immediately think about the cover because that was the age that we could, while listening to a song or to an album, we could, we could look for hours at uh, the cover of an album. Nowadays, young people don't have a clue what the cover of a song is like because you don't look at it anymore. But we looked for hours at the cover. And this was, of course, the cover where he's walking in Greenwich Village uh, with some old cars on the background. And uh, in his arms is Suze Rutolo, who was his girlfriend for a couple of years. Uh, she passed away some years ago, but her son is still around in New York and still playing the guitar. She was an artist too, but basically known as, uh, as, uh, as his uh, girlfriend. But back to the song, nobody really knows what it's a hard rain's gonna fall is about i always thought it was about a nuclear fallout uh, of uh, when you have nuclear bombs or a nuclear uh, disaster but i was just um uh, half an hour ago googling uh, at what the meaning is and people are not not really sure about it um <clears throat> he um, didn't <coughs> excuse me didn't wrote it during the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, and uh, that seems to 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 indicate this this kind of nuclear uh, fallout thing. But uh, later in uh, his memoir, uh, he attributed this to the inspiration that he got when he was reading all kinds of microfiche, something else from from long time ago, okay. microfiche newspapers in the New York Public Library. Um, just earlier today, I was corresponding with one of you about the New York Public Library, by the way. And while looking at all those those old news articles, he said he became aware uh, of um, a, a cultural feeling of black days, of, of, of evil, of, of a kind of common destiny of the human being getting thrown off course. Um, so Dylan said it's all one long funeral song. Um, sticking to this song, I was uh, honored to be uh, in uh, on the 10th of December, the birthday of uh, Alfred Nobel, uh, which is always the day that they hand out the Nobel, uh, Nobel Prizes in Stockholm. I was sitting in the audience uh, when Bob Dylan should have received uh, the Nobel Prize for, um, uh, for literature. Uh, but he didn't show up. And then that evening, there was this there's this famous banquet that is uh, given for the Nobel Prize winners. I was there as well, and that is uh, where uh, where the king is hosting all all the guests for all the people that uh, that that received all the Nobel prizes, except for the Peace Nobel Prize, which is the same day in Oslo. Um, but there was Patty Smith, who was there um, to kind of replace Bob Dylan and uh, she was singing the song It's a Hard Rain's Gonna Fall which she, I remember her saying that it's the favorite song of her husband and then she forgot the lyrics midway and which got worldwide attention because Patti Smith doesn't forget her lyrics she's a very very experienced and brilliant singer and she forgot her lyrics midway. And later she wrote a long article to explain what happened, that she felt kind of intimidated by the audience, not realizing, by the way, that that we in the audience were fascinated by seeing Patti Smith live singing. So it should have been the other way around. Anyway, there was a little bit of pop music history that I was witnessing 
uh, right at that moment. So now I spoke way too long, and I think I'm going to pass the microphone to Ness, who surely has all kinds of memories about pop music and environment and nature and how that influences each other. Hi, Ness, come in there. Uh, yeah, cheers. Hi, Alex. It was really interesting about the um, Nobel Prize there. It would have been fantastic to have seen that and to have seen Patti Smith perform. Oh, my goodness. What a magical, magical thing that must have been. I thought you were going to say that all the audience chipped in when she couldn't remember the words. Because it's such an <laughs> iconic song. I was like, oh, you know. I'm such a bad singer. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, yeah, I, like we were saying before, you know, I mean, I, was, I, I love music and I've, I've always been quite a political animal and, uh, you know, just political side. I, think I used to love the House Martins and, and things, you know, just because it was just an angry, angry, um, you know, just standing up for people who didn't have a voice and, you know, they're sort of, you know, rich, rich, poor divide and, you know, right and left and all this kind of thing. But in terms of the environment, um, loads of things. I mean, right now, I've, I mean, I've always loved Jack Johnson from, like, you know, from forever. Um, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But as soon as we're kind of, like, in the sort of 70s, I just wanted to mention John Denver, um, you know, and he's, he wrote Sunshine on yeah. My Shoulders. And if anybody remembers that, it's kind of, if you're listening to it now, I mean, I had another listen before we did this thing. And it's a little bit cheesy, um, but it's deliciously gentle, you know, as well. And I think that's what it's really love about it. And that's kind of why it really, really works as a um, as a conservation messaging song or the, an environment message song. And I don't know if people know, but actually he was um, a really uh, you know, he worked tirelessly for conservation and sustainability. Um, he actually established two nonprofit organizations on behalf of the environment. Uh, one was the Windstar foundation which was set on a on a sort of massive um, property near his home in Colorado um, and that worked on sustain you know education um, for sustainability and the second one was plant it 2020 which is a tree planting um, organization which I think some people might know about that I, I'd heard about it and I didn't actually realize that until I'd, I'd read it recently um, but um, he was really like you know such a big personality that it made made he made such a difference so he could do it in music you know um, and really, um, I think, uh, I mean, it was something I was reading the other day and it just said about Calypso, um, was honoring the work of Jacques Cousteau. So if you all remember Jacques Cousteau, I mean, I don't know how the generations, um, I, you know, we used to watch him on the telly, didn't we? He used to go under, he was a scuba diver and he went under the water and he obviously as scuba divers do, they don't, they're not, <laughs> they're not above the water. Scuba diving by its very nature is underwater. Um, but I, I love it because he would, he would, um, you know, just exploring like all the all the world that was under there, and what the song Calypso um, apparently was was actually honouring um, Jacques Cousteau's work. So that's worth another another revisit for for people who um, you know might be looking for something else. Um, you know, and and um, and he wrote a song just before his death, uh, which was um, Yellowstone coming home. And that was this sort of finger-picked ballad um, to the sort of temperate days and, and things. And that went to number one in 1974. Um, and, um, and then the sunshine on my shoulders, you know, sunshine always makes me high, <laughs> which it does me too. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I don't know if anyone um, has, uh, has actually listened to that. I don't know. I mean, you've, you've, you like quite like Rocky Mountain High, you were saying. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, Alex. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, I've been in Aspen actually, where he <laughs> lives. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm always traveling, as you know. So, of yeah. course, I went to Aspen, which is, which is a magical place. It's mm. just really, really nice to hang out there. And that's, uh, that's where he lived. And he's actually, he's still revered there as the, artist that kind of uh, promoted uh, Colorado and uh, yeah it's funny that you mentioned Jacques Cousteau do you know that Jacques Cousteau is actually the guy who invented scuba diving I mean he was uh, he's literally the inventor of putting a tank on your back and 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 go in the water and he did all that during the second world war when you think that people in France had something else on his on their minds, but uh, he, he it's it's an amazing story. Maybe he was escapism. And, uh, yeah, yeah and you still got this whole Cousteau family. When you're on Twitter, you 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 come across them and all their whatever children or grandchildren, all of course using the name of Cousteau to 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 do all kinds of underwater stuff, and they're active on conservation, etc. So sometimes I come across these. Uh, uh, Cousteau, yeah. um, uh, uh, Cousteau, the Cousteau offspring on, <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, um, exactly. I have yeah. another song that I would men- like to mention because I think it's such a beautiful one and there's not one listener who doesn't know it but it's, it's Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Oh, yeah. And I think that is that is such a... What's the word in English? It's like a like kind of eternal song that will always be there i I can't think of a song that is more convincing in describing the beauty of our world and it is it's of course a very recognizable song and all all of you know it it's it's already from uh 1967 i was two years old when, when when he made this song and it's so uplifting and it 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 Everything in it is beautiful, you know. I see trees so green and red roses too, and uh, I see them bloom for me and you. And I, I all that, and and there's 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 the the rainbows, and it's it's all about the beauty of life. And I I think that is um, also in the end of the song where it's like uh, you know. The, they'll learn much more than I'll ever know and then I think to myself you know I take a moment to reflect like wow this is really a beautiful world and that is something that people that follow what I've been working on in 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 the past decades you know what I write about and what I talk about and of course I'm often I'm angry about and and frustrated about that we don't do enough to to preserve nature and and to Uh, to to take the right measures and and that we don't listen to the scientists and I'm frustrated about that we that we don't stop climate change while we can do it but mm. at the end of the day the, the the overall emotion that I have is that I I find this this world so so beautiful mm. I love to go out in nature and see it and and even in when I'm here in uh, walking in 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 Manhattan for a few days and go to all the all the hangouts where I've been uh, so many times before, but I just I feel at home here. When I walk around in this city, I see beauty everywhere. It's either constructed beauty in 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 architecture, or I see small creative things of people that whatever they have a small bar, small cafe, and they they make it beautiful by putting up flowers, etc. Or one of one of the things I love to see here is where you have these 
holes in the ground where a tree uh, is growing. They're, they're square in New York. They're round in Paris for people that notice these kind of things. <laughs> uh, but here you have these square uh, holes where a tree comes out. Often the tree is already gone, but there's still yeah. this hole. And then you see the people make little gardens out of them. They're yeah, maybe yeah. just one by one meter. I love those little few signs of a beautiful world. Actually, took a lot of photos out of them. So one of my next Substack <laughs> newsletters, if I find the time to do it, because I'm 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 I'm, I'm too busy here to 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 write really. Um, but I uh, I might make a Substack about those little little gardens that people uh, people make out in the street here. So what's your next song? I was going to say, I definitely think you should. I just remember, um, if anyone else remembers it, um, in Good Morning Vietnam in the film, and at the end of the film they play Good um, Wonderful yeah. World, and it just makes you have goosebumps, yeah. doesn't it? It's just, it just yeah, sums up the whole thing. That's a goosebump thing, moment, yeah. Yeah, really. Um, and another one for me, uh, came sort of, same sort of vibe, I suppose, in a way, um, is James Taylor. And I love, I adore James Taylor. I, you know, oh, I just here. think absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and and his his song Gaia, you know Gaia. Yeah. He says it has, as you know, and it's just yeah. a soft, gentle breath of earth. Um, you know, there's a sort of beautiful strings. There's a lovely sax in there. You know, these beautiful lightweight harmonies. Um, and honestly, he just yeah, absolutely um, wonderful. Um, yeah. You know, there's and if you know the, some of the lyrics. Um, yeah, the sky was light and the land all dark and the sun rose up over Central Park and I was walking home from work, Gaia. The petal sky and the rosy dawn, the world turning on the burning sun, sacred wet green one we live on, Gaia. And it's just love it. And then it goes, run, 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 said the automobile, and it run for your life, take to your heels. It's just the different rhythms as well. You know, you've got the, anim- yeah, the, the machines and everything else and turn away from your animal kind just try and leave your it's just lovely it's just oh it's just um it says pray for the forest pray for the tree pray for the fish in the deep blue sea pray for yourself and for god's sake say one for me <laughs> poor wretched <laughs> unbeliever but it's just i love that i love that i love it i love it <laughs> Sorry, yeah that's, just, that's not very, yeah not very yeah. constructive criticism there it's about from i love it i love it i love it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's 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 a good one too. And I'm just reminded here by Louisa, um, mm. who who mentions this land is your land of Woody Guthrie, and that of course that should have been uh, maybe the one to open with because even before Dylan uh, got up, I mean Dylan was in when did Woody Guthrie die? I think it was in '62 or '61, and when he was on his deathbed in hospital. Uh, Bob Dylan went to visit him and was sitting next to his bed and he and nobody knew Bob Dylan yet he was just you know a street singer in in Greenwich Village he was maybe 20 maybe he was even 19 I don't know and he was just spending any single moment he still could have with Woody Guthrie and um, he he became the next generation and then a higher level up but this 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 land is uh, is is your land and this land is my land. It's just so beautiful. The description of America, a more much more beautiful America in the good old days when there was still hope that America would become better and better. Mm-hmm. And describing you know from from California to the New York Islands and it describes the the, the redwood forest and the Gulf Stream waters. I mean, we, we probably all know. Mm-hmm. 
the lyrics. Um, yeah, the land was made for you and me. I mean, I wish it was true. I wish the country was really in a much more equal way, really made for you and me in America. You and me meaning not gender specific, not specific by religion or mm -hmm. ethnicity or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but when this land was made for you and me, that wasn't the case. It wasn't we the people. It was we, the white man of this country, that declare independence of the United Kingdom, which had a lot to do with slavery, which uh, the UK wants to abolish. So... Um, this land was made for you and me. Yes, I, it's, it should have been the case. It should have been the country of equal opportunity. It should have been the melting pot. But somewhere along the way, especially in the 1980s, uh, something went wrong. And I, I still believe this is a beautiful song because it gives hope of what it should have been and what should be the direction that I really hope that this country, I love this country as people know, I really hope that this country turns a corner and goes back in the direction that it was on in the 1960s. I mean, the 1960s is such an important period in, in modern history in so many ways. And America was improving and I... I still believe that that a a horrible turning point where things were, went wrong was in '68 in the 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 murder of of Bobby Kennedy and and that from that moment onwards and then there was the the, the failure of the Democratic Convention and then we we moved to to um, uh, ultimately to a completely different change of 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 politics and then after Carter. Uh, things just went the wrong way. So this is still a song that describes the beauty of the country, and that uh, that it yeah it should really be the country for you and me. So thanks, Louisa, for a reminding of, um, of of this beautiful one. I'm sure you must have quite a few more nests that you would like to talk about. I do, I do. That is a lovely song by Woody Guthrie Jung, so thanks for that too, yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to have another listen to that just um, tonight. I think I'm going to play it loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's talking about um, sort of planet and, and sort of Earth and Gaia and stuff as well. Um, I interviewed recently um, uh, quite an activist, actually, called Jarvis Smith. Um, he's the lead singer for a band called Phoenix Rose, um, it's kind of like a bit of a reggae, bit of an Indian kind of vibe. It's very cool. Um, he's founder of um, My Green Pod. And what he's done is released a song called The Planet. And I think this is quite a good idea. And I'm, I'm just mentioning it really because it's just a really interesting concept. Because if people know that when, when people release albums and songs and things on Spotify and, and all the other ones, um, they get a percentage. You know, they get a very, it's, a, it's a peanuts percentage, but they get something back. And what he's doing is he's um, donating the money, any profits. Um, well, I think I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any profits. Just whatever the money comes in from the Planet song, um, he's, he's giving it to. Um, he gets from streaming. He's going to planting forests that sequester carbon, um, and he mentions sea kelp and mangroves in particular. Um, and he also, you know, he's always playing about if you're buying from a brand, make sure they're giving back to nature with their profits. 
Um, and he did mention actually that ethical product consumption was up by 30% last year. So anyway, I'm, I'm mentioning it here because um, uh, if, you, if you're on Spotify, I would suggest you find Jarvis Smith, Phoenix Rose, which is Phoenix Rose, look up the planet and just put it on loop. <laughs> so that he generates cash and I thought it's a really interesting way of using technology with sort of <laughs> activism um, the, the podcast is really interesting I said it's a journal of biophilicdesign.com and it's how to have a biophilic lifestyle and he's talking about how he had this like life-changing experience where he I think it was for a Channel 4 programme where he was taken away to a rubbish dump. He actually thought he was getting on a plane and going somewhere onto a desert island. There's a whole bunch of people to work out how you can survive. Yeah. <laughs> and he got, he, got, he got stuck on a, on a rubbish dump. And he, they had to make their home out of all the rubbish and, and all this sort of stuff and had to process it. And he actually just got sick and he got so exhausted. He lay on the earth and he'd been having all these sort of shamanic traditions sort of stuff that he'd been working on. And he lay on the earth and he felt the earth say, I'm in pain. Can you feel the sickness that you're feeling? I'm feeling this every day. And he just like he couldn't say he was overwhelmed with it, you know, and he, he just was stood up in front of the camera and said, I'm going to make my life's work to help the planet. And so that people change the way they they buy products and, and all that kind of stuff, you know. So um, apart from being the lead singer of this band, Phoenix Rose, he's then set up the Green Pod, which then has gone on to The Guardian and everything else. So he's a good bloke. Anyway, it's um, it's quite a cool, quite cool looking bloke. I like to photograph him, actually. Um, people, I'm not weird. I'm a photographer. It's not just I want to just go randomly and point a camera at him. I just actually do want to do something creative. But there's another there's another story. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of a, it's quite a, bit a modern one. Um, but um, I just was, I thought it was really interesting because we've been talking about Earth and and sort of Gaia as well. So. Yeah, interesting yeah. one. Yeah, mm, and, and I see yeah. here a, a suggestion from uh, Brigitte uh, of Neil Young's uh, Natural Beauty, which which is not oh, a good one to mention. Yeah, and, yeah. And where he thinks about uh, the Amazon and uh, you had so much and, and how much is gone and oh, yeah. uh, what are you going to do? And then thinking about you know, natural beauty should be preserved like a monument to nature. And those those lines are important. And talking about, you know, influencing young people, um, I think he he clearly had a yeah, he, he, he had a voice and an influence there. And it's it's a bit like um it it it, it kind of reminds me a bit different well, well no, same 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 corner of the pop music history probably is 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 where you end up with uh, 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 the Crednes Clearwater revival um, think about Green River um, uh, it's an environmental song uh, of, of the leader of the band in those days which was uh, John Fogarty um, and he is singing about this this Green River which is a spot in California where he used to go when he was young and um, it was just uh, a, a very peaceful spot, and he made all kinds of lasting memories. And you know, swimming there and rope swinging, swinging above the river, etc. Um, uh, it is all exactly about the things that we were talking about. It is about um, discovering nature, appreciating nature, and uh, and especially. For young people, if you if you spend time in nature when you are young, that just influences your outlook. It's it's a theme that we've we've often talked about in uh, mm -hmm. uh, in in the Green Living podcast, and uh, this is typically typically what what John Fogerty felt and and how he he put it in 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 his uh, song, um, and that's 
one more that I think I, I, I should really mention here. And uh, one of you suggested this actually in a, in a direct message uh, just before we started. Um, the Big Yellow Taxi, of course, yeah. that should be in a list like this. You know, Joni Mitchell. Um, it's, uh, I mean, one is that it, it was like an international hit, but it's also, um, it is so true. This, this paradise like plot of land that was then just mm -hmm. uh, paved over because that is progress. And, uh, then, uh, it, it became a parking lot and, and, and a pink hotel and a boutique <laughs> and a nightclub. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so much about, you know, a, a metaphor for the massive destruction of nature that we're doing. And we call it progress. And we just, we, we cut all the trees and we pave it. And then we put up a sign that this is now a parking lot. And yeah, we made some progress, you know, and it's the, the, the cynical undertone. I think it's a, it's a brilliant song. And it's, it's one of the, the few environmental songs that is actually kind of hit that, that everybody knows. So uh, yeah. yeah, so that's exactly. I think another another good one yeah. to mention here. Yeah, I love that one of the lines in there. So they took all the trees and put them in a tree museum, and then they yeah, charged a, a good one, yeah, yeah. dollar and a half just to see them. You yeah. know, really, it really <laughs> feels yeah. like that's where we're going, isn't it? You know, we yeah. should um, we should release yeah. an album. We should we should actually release something. We could do. we could actually collate lots of songs and release a green album. Sort of thing. The but, green album, yeah, yeah. Um, that'd be a good one. I, again, I'm just. The Green Album, the Green Album, we should do like a whole sort of, um, you know, festival, actually, sort of, you know, like they did with Live Aid. Everybody remember Live Aid? Um, there seemed to be a whole yeah. bunch of stuff, wasn't there, really, in the 80s? There was the 60s, there was the 80s, we've had the 20s, and now we're in the 2022s. Maybe we should, you yeah. know, the 2020s, maybe we should actually, this is time for, for something, for a bit of activism to really take place in terms of music. Um, you know, have a big sort of like music festival. But um, I mentioned uh, yeah. Jack Johnson. It's surprising that you don't yeah. see it nowadays because there's enough troubles in the world to motivate on. I mean, mm. if if you look at 1971, the concert for Bangladesh of of, yes. of George Harrison, mm. I mean, those kind of disasters are now taking place all all the time, all over the world. I mean, the, mm. the scale of of not so much of individual disasters, but if you add it all up, the number of people dying on on mm. you know environmental causes that we created i mean that uh we, we should have a concert every day yeah i know it makes you feel, doesn't it um i was i mentioned uh jack johnson and um i don't know listeners does anybody have like a favorite jack johnson song um you know with sort of the environment um in mind i mean he's such an eco-minded musician um and i absolutely adore adore his music um and obviously it's all about you know our sort of consumption on the environment I think one of the ones that people, most people mention that will know is the reduce, reduce, recycle, the three R's. Um, and it was it was written on for the Curious George soundtrack. And, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a fun thing. Um, you know, three is a magic number. Um, it's a magic number, you know, because it's on the other side. But, um, um, yeah, he, he just, he's basically imploring everybody to, um, you know, uh, swaps you know swap uh, clothes and just what can we do and reuse and 
um i think it's i think it's brilliant and um i, I just i think he's just a cool guy anyway and uh, um i remember seeing a social post from him where i think i might mentioned this before in a podcast but um where he forgot all his carrier bags his all reusable carrier bags and he was at the grocery store and he was like oh don't you hate this and he and he had all the groceries in his arms because he didn't want to go and buy another bag you know and it's like gosh we've all been there haven't we you know so um but yeah i don't know if anybody Either, either to call in or to, to put post up, but I'd, I'd love to know what your favourite Jack Johnson song is, or if you've seen him live, that would be even better. If you have you seen him live, and, and what was the vibe? I'd, I'd like, I'd be interested to hear. Um, but um, yeah, um, what, what have, have you got? Another one? Yeah. <laughs> you, well, yeah, I'm too, just or? looking at at the comments, and I see that Evelyn came with a good suggestion: "Smoke on the Water," um, oh, yeah. and um, that is uh, that's that's a, a good one uh, to to mention here. Um, and um, uh, which is, uh, and it's of course uh, Deep Purple. <clears throat> um, anybody uh, will <clears throat> immediately recognize the, the the riff that that opens it. Uh, it's it's maybe the few most classic tones, if you can can use that word, uh, for pop music. And so it, it's it's the story of uh, on Lake Geneva that. Uh, a, a casino was uh, was burning burning down, uh, and then of course you see the the, the smoke over uh, over the waters um, of uh, of Lake Geneva, and um, that is um, it it uh, this song which actually um, a title uh, created by Roger Glover Roger Glover the guy uh, behind this fantastic concept album the butterfly ball that probably hardly anybody knows maybe the people still know the song um, um all you need is love where you have this this uh, cartoon um uh, video of this this frog that is singing a song um that that became a bit of a hit but actually it's it's a complete album that's called the butterfly ball and i think everybody has forgotten about it but it's it's amazing it's about all kinds of animals that are preparing to go to a ball um and uh it's 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 extremely creative and fun i don't think it's even on spotify because it's uh, but i i used to have the album and i i i really loved it um so yeah smoke on the water uh that is uh, that is a good one and while uh, evelyn was typing this mira whom i know lives or used to live i'm not really sure mira uh, in geneva is typing so it's funny how um how all these um these things come together and um, yeah, mentioning um, uh, the Earth song of uh, Michael Jackson, and yeah, that is of course yeah. uh, that is a good one. It was actually the very last song that Michael Jackson ever sang uh, before he he died in in uh, in two thousand nine. Actually, personal memory here. I was in a I was traveling again. I was in a hotel in Germany, and my German is not really good, but good enough to, to basically understand what people are saying. So I was I was having breakfast, and there was the radio was on, and on the radio news, I heard the announcement uh, that uh, Michael Jackson had died. And so uh, somehow I have this strange association in my mind that I think about Germany when I hear Michael Jackson, um, which is, of course, a, a purely individual thing, which nobody else ever thinks about Germany when they hear, when they hear Michael Jackson. But this song is is beautiful i mean uh, crying about uh the, uh the the world's 
going to going to ruins. It's it's about the war and the pollution and the the environmental devastation and uh, and it's just it's about stopping this destructive course that we are set on with humanity. And it's um, I'm not a big fan of Michael Jackson. I must must admit. Um, but this is an iconic song, which is uh, which is great. I mean, it's it's about you know everything that's destroying our planet from from terrorism to 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 pollution, etc. It's just ruining our lives, and it's basically saying you know this this is all so bad. We can do better, and for yeah, such an influential artist to have this as as the last song that he ever sang. Um, that is beautiful, which is, by the way, um, a fascinating theme to talk about in one of our next podcasts, if we forget about the green living aspect. But the last song that uh, artists uh, made or that they ever sang about in their lives is Mm -hmm. an amazing theme to work about. So, for instance, with uh, Bob Marley, Redemption Song, Oh, yeah. is the last song on his last album. So uh, Uprising, everybody knows it, the white cover, etc., with the, with the art on, 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 uh, on, on the cover. Um, the very last song on that album, so you can see it's the really last song that he ever made, um, is such a beautiful, soft, yeah. soft-spoken song, so to say, yeah. and uh, which has this line, um, have no fear for atomic energy which actually is not so much about uh, an environmental thing about nuclear energy. What it was about was that he had this this uh, this tumor in his brain mm-hmm. and he was treated for it in Miami. Uh, they had to shave off his dreadlocks and, and they used radiation, so atomic energy. So mm-hmm. have no fear for atomic energy. It was like he kind of rest... He, he kind of... Um, had accepted by that time that there was no no cure. There was only a postponement for for his 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 coming death. It's a really beautiful uh, song. So yeah, talk about uh, last last songs that are also somehow related to environment might make it more beautiful, uh, more difficult. But um, yeah, there's there's just uh, the last songs that that uh, the bands have made or that singers have made. Uh, it's a fascinating subject to uh, yeah. to dive into. It's like personal requiems sometimes. It is. Um, it is yeah. exactly. And it's also interesting. Um, I'm, I'm interested in art, and you see the last painting that artists have done. There's always some kind of. It's like they're almost like they know they're leaving a legacy behind. Um, yeah. And actually, that's this. It's actually really. I mean, you know, it's a powerful thing actually to to look at. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so like Gauguin, who was committing suicide, and just before he committed suicide, he made this marvelous painting that is still uh, with this very long title, um, which is such a masterpiece. But then <laughs> suicide failed, so he kept on painting. Let's <laughs> <laughs> put more on it. <laughs> That's a really good idea. It's like um, I, the space clearing thing. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're really stressed, you know, and you and you kind of you can't get access to your to your counselor. Um, go and clear a sock. Go and clear a drawer out. So if you've got like a sock drawer or a knicker drawer or a t-shirt drawer, and you're really stressed, go and sort something out. Go and open a drawer and clear it out. So actually, yeah, that's what he was doing with that, repainting it to kind of like get his brain around it. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah I love um, it. Yeah. yeah. There's for a long time this sort of Van Gogh's last painting was this one with those 
crawls or ravens. There's blackbirds ab above this wheat field. Um, it's a very dramatic painting. Mm -hmm. And when I grew up, we all learned that that was mm -hmm. um, the last painting that Van Gogh made. Later, they found out with all kinds of techniques that yeah. it wasn't the last painting. Um, but it's um, it, it, it would have been nice if that would have been his last one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, and it's interesting, um, sort of the artists that are around now, like um, like Coldplay and, and Pink, um, and they're actually doing some really good stuff, you know. I mean, lots of people have obviously heard of, of, of Coldplay and they've gone and seen them and stuff. Um, but um, Pink, for instance, has teamed up with um, a, a group, a thing, sort of a, a movement, I suppose, called Reverb. And um, her last world tour... Uh, she basically diverted nearly 4,000 gallons of waste from landfills. Um, she collected 3,900 pounds of compost backstage. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff backstage. It makes you wonder what they're doing. Um, and, and also avoided 3,200 single-use um, plastic bottles backstage. Um, and um, so, so, what they do, so what they do is they basically set up this little action village um, on, on every tour stop. And um, so the fans that are coming in have to walk past this sort of pop-up shop and, and they and they have to, you know they have access to these sort of plastic water bottles and refill stations and, and they donate to various different charities so it's really great I mean obviously if you haven't brought it with you then you know you can instead of them going and buying loads of water stuff and, and just throwing it away um, which is fantastic and reverb is is teamed up with lots and lots of different um, uh, you know musicians of all different types um, you know and also what they're doing is the point is they're educating uh, fans um, really grassroot level which I think is such a good idea about the dangers of carbon emissions uh, climate change and, and also world hunger um, I mean Pink uh, tries to keep her she, you know, she tries to stay vegan most of the time um, she's got her own garden <laughs> um, uh -huh. and, but she doesn't use like pollutants in the soil and all this kind of stuff so she's gone from like well she's a, well, she was a punk but you kind of think she's quite a funky person so actually um, there's somebody whistling going past the, the window here. So I don't know if anybody heard that, but maybe maybe should go and interview him going, what do you feel about the environment? Great, great, make a song. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, no, I think it's a really, really cool thing. And it was, actually yeah. found, it was founded by um, Adam Gardner of Gusta, um, which is a music music band. So that's the reverb people. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I see another suggestion coming in um, from from Sharon saying Joan Baez, um, uh, Times of Freedom and also We Shall Overcome. Yeah. Um, soundtrack of the 60s and 70s. That's another good one. Talking about, you know, ex-girlfriends of Bob Dylan, where we started. We had already <laughs> Susan Rotono, and then there was, of course, uh, Joe Bass with um, uh, performing on bare feet in, in, yeah. in, in Greenwich Village. And yeah. performing, of course, at the March on Washington, 1963. Yeah. Um, and they're singing We Shall Overcome. I mean, what a powerful song what a powerful woman by the way yeah. i'm really really yeah. impressed with her and i unfortunately i missed her she came she performed in stockholm a couple of years ago she's still performing um still fighting <laughs> fighting for the good cause and I, I i i wasn't around i was traveling so much in those days so i missed it um but i i, I would have uh, loved to hear it but um this this is of course um uh, we shall overcome is such a powerful song which well the first has, there, there are different interpretations there one of mm -hmm. one of the strong meanings of of course is of of um of of, of an, an anti-segregation uh, song 
and we shall overcome someday. And, and deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. Mm-hmm. And um, that is, um, I think it's shocking how how progress has stalled since a good start in in, in under the Kennedys in the 1960s mm-hmm. that 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 both both brothers got got uh, got convinced they needed a bit of time mm-hmm. uh, they weren't uh, immediately on the on the side of of anti segregation but one day when 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 they got the point especially when Bobby went to the south and he saw what was going on and that mm-hmm. he I think that's that's very powerful in politicians that you can see that you're not on the right track and that you can turn around and you can go in the right direction. Um, and I, I I think it's so important what happened then. And it's, it's such a pity that you know if if you look where we are now in in you know I see here in New York everywhere I see big signs of Black Lives Matter. Why is that still needed after so many decades? that uh that that after so much so much you know non-violent civil right activism that, that that we're still not there in this country but this song is is uh, is amazing maybe maybe not really environmental but i think in 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 general it's just it's a song of hope it's a song that that yes things are not good now but we shall overcome you know we we we, we ultimately we will do better on whatever issue uh, you are talking about. I I think that's uh, uh, that's extremely powerful. And and of course, when she was performing at March on Washington, um, she was there, of course, with Pete Seeger. I mean, I don't think we can talk about um, the impact uh, of of uh, of environment on songs, or put it differently, uh, making awareness on uh, on the environment through songs. Um, I think for that uh, you 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 have to mention Pete Seeger, of course. It's it's an earlier generation, uh, but his activism, especially in 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 his old days when he was uh, focusing on 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 cleaning the rivers, uh, he's been quite influential there as well. So yeah, so um, a few extra names here. Um, uh, so all the. <laughs> All the excess of Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan himself, <laughs> as well as Pete Seeger. There's, of course, a very clear line between Pete Seeger and Bob Dylan that we could also explore if we would have more time. Um, but, oh, my God, we're already 45 minutes on here. Um, <laughs> I see another comment coming in from Louisa saying, uh, yes, I just read this morning about uh, musicians flying less to reduce carbon footprint. That is excellent. Yes, there is... Um, gosh, forgot her name now. Uh, such a well-known band. Uh, I know one band that really. Um, gosh, I got CDs from them. I just okay. No, you don't mean Adele? Adele's been doing that. She's flip she's my na- flip my mind. Yeah, yeah Adele is <laughs> yeah. active there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah Coldplay. Amazing. That's the one Coldplay. I mentioned. Coldplay is, is stopping there. I couldn't think of their name for a moment. But Coldplay is also stopping their performance yeah. or reducing dramatically their performances. What about yeah. Adele? She's uh, yeah, yeah. Okay? So she's she's doing stuff as well. Um, obviously, U two and Radiohead and and that people. Um, but. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Coldplay is 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 it, they, they been, haven't they been actually they've been looking at areas where like um, sort of the CO two emissions are generated, like sort of band travel and production, audience transport, venue usage, and they're kind of monitoring it and then sending it off to to somebody. And I, I can't remember I can't remember what they're doing, how, how they're sending it off to them, but um, they're trying to. Um, 
They've actually said, haven't they? That's right. Coldplay have said that they're not going to tour um, if it's not carbon neutral. So yeah, they're okay. trying to do it, as, you know, as carbon neutral, which is such a cool idea, really. Um, they've um, and they played just three three um, shows recently: one at the Natural History Museum, which is really appropriate, uh, and then two in Jordan, uh, which they then streamed worldwide. So, um, and that was also during the pandemic and, and things as well, just after. So. Um, yeah, really, really amazing. Oh, it was Massive Attack. That was it. Massive Attack have handed yeah. over the um, one year's worth of touring data to Manchester University's Tyndall Centre for Climate Change Research to assess how the industry can do better. Uh, good, good, you know, right, right on Massive Attack. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of Massive Attack anyway. It's great to dance to. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, good for them. Good for them for doing it. I was, I was going to yeah. mention, actually, there's... Um, in terms of like sort of technology and using again that using technology to create music or um, to kind of raise awareness, I don't know if people know, but there's a thing called climatemusic.org, um, and they're they're basically enabling artists around the world to create their own climate music across different genres um, and for local audiences and communities, and they're kind of diverse with you know collaborate with music from diverse artists um, from any cultural or, or any any sort of um, sort of social and economic. Um, environments and uh, for instance they've done one there's one called there's a, there's a, a piece called uh, climate by um, eric ian walker um, and it this this tracks historical and projected variations in the climate system over 450 years so from 1800 to 2250 uh, 2250 and and basically um the the, the the climate song was actually or not song it's music and was 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 made by identifying uh, four key indicators. Uh, one is uh, carbon dioxide concentration, and that's reflected in the tempo of the composition. So as the increasing amounts of CO two, yeah, <laughs> accumulates in the thing, it, it makes the tempo yeah. speed up. Um, as the atmospheric temperature um, is represented by pitch. So when there's a rise in the temperature, um, it translates to sort of detuning and increased dissonance and also this all sort of complexity and, and stuff. And then it's also a rise in pitch. Um, the Earth's energy balance, you know, like the, the between the incoming energy from the sun and also the outgoing heat from the Earth, um, that becomes a sort of ring modulation, a kind of like ting a ling a ling sort of type song. Um, and so this sort of... Uh, this sort of imbalance really um across the sort of like harmonics it's absolutely fantastic um you know and as the ocean ph becomes crap <laughs> basically so the um the actual sort of composition or the, the way it's the, the actual music musical musicality of it if you want the sort of is is actually also um kind of gets messed up as well it kind of like they, they call it degrading but it's like it basically sounds sort of bananas you know <laughs> she said against it technically <laughs> but i think what a, what a cool idea what an absolutely cool idea and you can i think you can sort of like if you're a musician or you know you're running a community group you can actually go in sign in and kind of collaborate and sort of use elements and stuff you know and use their data to yeah. um to add to your track or to add to, to overlay in your music what a co- i just think that's just such a cool idea you know it's so, really it's really cool yeah. idea yeah. yeah i started like about three years ago i started um a third Twitter account, uh, which called Art for Our Planet. Okay. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty unknown. Not many people know it. It's got a couple of thousand followers, and and the account itself doesn't follow anybody. Um, but that was all about how um, you can use art to raise awareness for the planet. And I um, I thought for a moment to fully focus on all that but then i had so many other things on my mind and i just mm. just didn't have the time for it so sometimes i throw an interesting 
tweet on there where I believe that that some artists are uh, raising awareness for the planet, but I I wish I would have more time for that one. But this would have been um, a good one to uh, to mention there. Yeah, um, so it's it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a hobby. I'm looking at the clock, and uh, we are already uh, way further than we should have been. Um, I love this one. We can, I, I think we can talk. We can talk about all of this for. May. It brings brings together so many things that I think are interesting: the environment, and pop music, and history, and so many so many streams are coming together here. Um, I love it that the audience was uh, so active uh, in um, in in reacting. I see Marianne coming uh, coming through on the Hudson River. Um, yeah, that is uh, that is that is right. Uh, the the Great Hudson River revival and um, and everything uh, that they have done uh, on, uh, on 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 raising awareness for that. Um, not sure if we went through all the comments, but uh, I think those uh, um, those were were really um, really helpful. Mm. Um, I'm not sure yet of <coughs> sorry of the scene of next week. Uh, nor about the date. Uh, let's keep it on a Monday, but I'm, I'm somewhere I'm flying. So I, ref, uh, yeah, I think that will work out. Uh, so um, uh, let's uh, let's for now keep uh, keep the date same. We'll we'll look at that after this uh, broadcast. I will also be broadcasting uh, on this uh, Thursday normal uh, normal time, uh, which is um, uh, in uh, on. Eastern time, uh, three o'clock uh, on Thursday, uh, together with Alastair. I don't have a theme yet, but we uh, always have something to talk about. Um, so I hope that you will uh, you will join all the regular broadcast, and there might be uh, a few other ones uh, in between as well. It will increasingly be about travel in the time to come, uh, for the very simple reason that I'm uh, traveling 127 days in a row, and I'm now at day four or something. So there'll be a lot of travel. Uh, stories. Some of them might be as uh, rather uh, silly and spontaneous as yesterday when I'd completely forgotten about it and just about 10 minutes to 5 it was like oh my gosh I still want to do my podcast that I always do on Sunday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. So uh, just standing in the street um, I did a podcast uh, which was one of the few streets in Manhattan where no cars are driving, but right at that moment, uh, the street was opened up and three fire trucks drove in. Uh, they stopped their horns blaring about half a minute uh, before the full hour. So I just started and I hoped that they would stay quiet. But after about five minutes in the podcast, they put their sirens on and drove off again. Um, anyway, that was a bit of an uh, adventurous podcast, uh, but it was a good, uh, I don't know how it was for you as a listener, but at least for me as a, as a presenter, it was an interesting experience to stand out, out in the street and do a podcast. And I might do more of that because I don't know where I will find myself in the months to come at Sundays at five o'clock Eastern time. I might be somewhere in the middle of a forest or somewhere on the beach or wherever I will be in the world. Um, with that long, um, what's the opposite of an introduction? Is there an extraduction? I don't know what the word is. Long extraduction. Um, we're we're gonna end this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, please uh, be there on Thursday, and and I might uh, I might pop up earlier uh, as well. And um, I really appreciate that we have such a such a steady audience and so much clapping. I think I should keep on talking because then we get more claps. <laughs> it's working. Okay. 
for that um, bye uh, bye everybody hope to see bye. you soon bye bye